0: and we're going to continue it for the next couple weeks called hope is here last week we talked about hope when you're weary and 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 what that looks like and 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 what that feels like so we're going to continue talking about this bugs d to death by the way (laughs) evidently I did this in the wedding I performed yesterday she said is your glasses on your forehead I said probably that's where they always go Listen, there was a, a, a brother and a sister uh, named uh, Billy and Susie, and one day they were outside playing, and their grandma had a favorite duck. Well, this duck come up and bit Billy real good. So Billy does what every boy would do, and he reaches down, and he grabs it by the neck, and he goes... And so he rings this duck's neck and, uh, and all of a sudden he turns around and his sister Susie's sitting there. She said, I saw you. I know what you did because he tried to hide it under the woodpile. And she said, if you don't do everything I say, I'm going to tell grandma. So grandma calls him in, says, Susie, come in and help me get re- lunch ready. She said, Billy wants to. (laughs) So Billy looks and she says, I saw you. I know what you did. So Billy goes in and starts helping prepare lunch. So after lunch, she said, all right, Susie, Billy helped prepare lunch. You can help me clean up. She said, I really think Billy wants to help you clean up today. (laughs) He flashes her that look and she goes, I saw you. So he, Billy gets up, he starts cleaning. Guess what? Dinner time rolls around. Susie, come on in here and help set up. Oh, I really think Billy wants to help set up for dinner. So well, guess what happens after dinner? You want to you uh, help, help me unload now? She said, oh no, Billy wants to help you, un- help you load up and clean up. Finally, Billy couldn't take it anymore. And he says to his grandma, I killed your favorite duck. I hit him in the wood pile. And his grandma says something strange here. She says, I know. She said, I was standing in the kitchen window and I watched you do it. She said, I forgave you the moment you did it. I was just wondering how long you were going to let her make a slave out of you. Today, we're gonna to look. Nobody likes their stuff exposed. Nobody likes their wrong exposed. Nobody likes all the, the bad stuff, but sometimes exposure's good. You know? Um, and, and it's hard when we feel exposed. And, 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 you know, it could be a rock bottom for us, but I'm gonna tell you today: brokenness is not always bad. And if you're here today and you feel broken, you see, that's what the enemy has done for us, to us forever. He always brings up a past and he always looks and says, I know what you did. I saw what you did. And we're so afraid that God's going to find out that we're always trying to subjugate us ourselves to an old nature when God says, I saw you the first time you did it. And so we go through, and while Jesus is offering forgiveness, it's so much time we spent just working in our brokenness. We think we're broken. Let me tell you something, folks. As you think, you are. And if you just go around constantly thinking of yourself as broken, thinking of yourself as less than, thinking... Uh, they, Ron didn't know what I was going to minister today. But if we go around constantly thinking of ourselves as broken, and if you feel broken in here today, hope's here. Folks, let me tell you something. Jesus loves you the way he finds you. But the cool thing about it is, he loves you too much to leave you where he found you. Uh-huh. He's not, he's not willing just to say, okay, I see all the mess you're in and I see all the junk you're in and I see all this stuff you're dealing with. I just want you to know I love you, but deal with your own. God's not willing to let you deal with your own brokenness. He's not willing. That's why he sent Jesus. And we got to understand, we know that choices matter. Come on. Our decisions sometimes have consequences. Oh, nobody likes to hear that anymore but David's true our decisions have consequences and a lot of times they leave us feeling hopeless they leave us feeling abandoned by God they, feel us, they, they leave us feeling judged by everybody that's around us and in a time where the world is looking for hope nobody wants to be exposed to feel shame Go to John, and we're going to mostly stay in this chapter today. Go to John chapter 8. I love this story. In John chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. In the very act. Look at verse five. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? See, what they left out, was Moses in the law said the man should be killed too. They didn't bring the man. They brought a woman to him. And they are trying to trap Jesus up. They said, okay, our law says that this woman should be killed. What we believe says that this person is not worthy to continue to be used even by God. Now, verse five, and this they said, testing him, that he might that they might have something to of which to accuse him. Guys, so many times we 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 get the idea from from movies or from bad teaching or I don't know that this woman was was just there. But what they did, they brought her before Jesus, but what was Jesus doing? He was already teaching. He was already transforming the minds of everyone he had come in contact with. And, and they were all sitting down and, and they brought her to expose her sin. Anybody ever been, had your stuff exposed by a group of people? that had no business even finding you? They had no business looking for you. They had no business where, where were those guys at while she was in the act? And how did they know what she was doing? (laughs) See, it's real easy to point out all the junk in somebody else's life, but it's real hard to stand in front of a mirror and say, you know what I was doing while you were doing that? I was watching you with evil intent. And that's exactly what they were doing with her, folks. And so here they bring her, and they, you got to understand, there wasn't just the people there who brought her to accuse her. Jesus was sitting down in the middle of the courtyard. Everybody was around him, and the Word tells us that they, they put her in the midst. That means they brought her in the middle of everyone, sat her in front of everybody and in front of the rabbi and they said, what do you say about her? Anybody ever felt like all eyes were on you? That everybody knows. See, this is what brokenness looks like. This is what it looks like so many times. It could be a broken marriage. It's a broken woman, it's a broken reputation. Oh, folks, come with me. This is her rock bottom. Folks, one thing's for sure. All of us in this room have experienced brokenness. We've, We've been there, stood up in front of everybody, in front of God and everybody, had all our stuff exposed Well, everybody knows. And what's interesting, nobody wanted to look at their own stuff. When our sin is laid out in front of, I know we don't like to hear about sin. But it's putting on a zombie nature that's already dead. Come on. That's what we call it here, right? It's when we decide to pick up something that's dead and wear it like it's alive. When Jesus has taken our nature, our old nature, and nailed it to the cross, it is a dead, dead thing. But what do we do? I think I'll just wear this a little while. And with all the junk and all the stink and everything that comes on it, and there's always those around giving you this look. (laughs) They give you that side eye because they know what you've done. And on one hand when we when we get ourselves exposed it's horrible because now everybody knows but on the other hand it's completely liberating because now everybody knows I don't have to hide this mess anymore I don't have to try to cover it up I don't have to come in front of you and put on my good Christian face and look like I don't have a problem in the world and say oh how you doing I'm blessed Oh, actually, I feel like hell just exploded in my life. I'm going through so much junk that it's just crept on me and I stink from carrying this zombie around. But man, when everybody knows, it's like, finally. And so here's this lady, everybody in town knows now because nothing spreads gossip faster than the church. Come on. Some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this, happened, this all happened in the temple. So here she was. Go back to verse 6. And this they said, testing him, that they may have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though... He didn't hear. With all the accusations that was bringing up to her, what did Jesus do about these accusations? He ignored them. Guess what? He still don't want to hear it. He doesn't want to hear about all your junk. He don't want to hear about all your past. He don't want to do, he don't want to get into all that. So what's he do? Is he bends over and he just starts writing. Well, what was he writing? And they never tells us what he's writing. You can make up whatever you want. <laughs> uh, so he stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear. And look what they did. And they continued asking him. In other words, they weren't going to shut up. Now, I'm going somewhere. Just stay with me. They were just going to keep on bringing up her past. They were going to keep on bringing up her failure. They were going to keep on bringing up her sin and throwing it before Jesus. And the whole time, couldn't you just imagine Jesus? Hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus. That would get frustrating. So he looked at, let's finish verse seven. And so he raised himself up and said to them, he who was without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. He said, listen, you got your life together? Go for it. Jesus actually gave them permission. Oh, See, we miss that part. We think, well, Jesus, no, Jesus said, you got sin? Go ahead and throw. If you think you have the right to stand above God himself in judgment, go ahead and judge this person. Because after all, you think you're better than God anyhow. I'll try that over here. That's what we say when we fall into judgment. Judgment. We're saying, I'm better than God, so let me judge you here because I don't know if God's gonna judge you there. Oh. And so Jesus said, go ahead, stone her, if you've never blown it, if you've never messed it up. Imagine if the church would really seriously act like the body of Christ. Imagine if somebody who has just screwed up their whole life and we walk in and somebody surely comes to tell me about what, how, how bad Darren messed it up. And I look at her and go, but we don't. What do we do? I watch too many musicals. Tell me more, tell me more. (laughs) That's what's going through my mind. That's what we do. Oh, really? Let me know a little bit more about this. Tell me some more so that I can begin to make myself. What was the cry of Satan in Isaiah? I will exalt myself above the throne of God. When I begin to sit and judge someone's brokenness, I am operating in the same mindset that the enemy himself operated. I will exalt myself above the throne and I will become judge, juror, and often executioner. (laughs) But if the church would act like the body of Christ, they would do the same thing Jesus did And ignore all the accusations. Hard words. Verse 7 again. Go to the top of that. So when they continued, they just kept on. Go to Revelation chapter 12. You ever been there? And you ask yourself, why can't they just let this go? Yeah. That was 10 years ago. Yeah. That was last week. I'm over it. Yeah, I blew it. I blew it big. I blew it tremendously. But they just won't let it go. Let me tell you, if the church if the church continues, we become just like Satan. We try to exalt ourselves. Rather than help people in their brokenness, we just want to stone them. Look at what Satan does here. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10. He said, and I heard a trumpet, a a triumphant, sorry, voice in heaven proclaiming, now salvation and power are set in place the kingdom reign of our God and the ruling authority of his anointed one is established. For the accuser of the brethren, of the brothers and sisters who relentlessly accused. I'm picking on the church because if this can't be the, we can't preach this message, hope is here is if when people get here, they get treated like they get treated everywhere else. (laughs) What did Satan do? He relentlessly accused them day and night. Did you hear about Darren? No, and I don't want to either. (laughs) See, we're not brave enough to do this. We'll sit quietly. Well, Denise, I didn't talk back to them. I just let them talk. They just needed, why don't we just stop? Jesus didn't even listen to him. (laughs) Nobody's ever experienced anything like this, right? Says he relentlessly accused them day and night before our God and has now been defeated and has been cast out. Once and for all. Folks, hang on to your seats. White knuckle them if you have to because this is going to hurt. The church has spent more time looking like the enemy than we ever have looking like the body of Christ. Because we have taken people in brokenness and said, hope's here. But unless you do it my way, I am going to talk bad about you. Unless you just don't do what I want you to do, Then we're gonna talk real bad about you. Come on. This is exactly what the enemy does. But we're the body of Christ. We don't act like it. (laughs) But what if somebody's not broken? What if nothing's good? I just don't like what's going on. And so I'm gonna come over here and I'm gonna pull Lynn aside and we're gonna talk about Amy because I don't like Amy's shirt. I don't like the way Amy does things. I don't like the way Amy sang that last song. So come over here and let's talk about this real quick. Tell me more, tell me more. Who are we acting like, God? (laughs) And what we do is we leave people going, why can't they just let it go? I don't want to remember my past. Why you keep bringing it up? He is an accuser. The word accuser. Now get this. Here we go. If you're an accuser, well, I'm not an accuser. You better read that first part of that definition. An accuser means to be critical. Uh, Come on, we're preaching hope is here. And we're talking about hope for the broken, but we can't give hope to the broken unless the church gets itself fixed. To be critical of another. Just let that settle in. The second part of this definition, to stand against another accusingly in the assembly. Did you hear about Darren? Don't you like Amy's shirt? I didn't, didn't you not. Know. I do like your shirt, Amy. <laughs> she had to look down. she didn't even know what she had on. Now, you see, we're, see, we were like, well, I'm nothing like Satan, I've been in the way, in this way for 50 years. No, you've been in the way for 50 years because you've acted like the accuser. Y'all can handle this, right? I know it's not my normal bubbly self, but the church has got to fix some stuff. The church has got to fix some stuff. (laughs) Hang on, hang on. Everybody say, I'm hanging. Look at the last part of this definition. To speak derogatory of another. These are all traits of the accuser. These are all traits of the enemy. These are not traits of the body of Christ. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. Guess what? Becky, I don't care. I don't care what they did. I don't care where they did it and I don't care who they did it with. You know why? Because I'm going to choose to be hope when they come back broken. Mm. Glory. This is the work of Satan, folks. I just read a definition that describes most of the church and that's sad. Vincent, right? Or Victor, I knew it was a V word. That's sad, my man. That's sad that that this this describes more of what the church looks like. Go back to John. I'll I'll keep you going. (laughs) We ain't done with Jesus yet. (laughs) And when they continued asking him, I'm back in verse seven and John eight. And when they continued asking him, he said to himself, I mean, he raised himself and said to them, he is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And look what he did. He went right back to ignoring them. What if the church, when somebody came to you and said, you know what, we're going to talk about Sally. And you go, mm, I think I'll ignore you now. And then you say, I tell you what, can you fix it? Are you better than her? Have you ever blown it? And when they go, no. it's okay, I'm going back to play right in the dirt, playing tic-tac-toe, whatever he was doing. How dare you say Jesus played (laughs) tic-tac-toe? Look at verse 9. And when those heard it, being convicted by their conscience... They went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus, now here's hope. And Jesus was left alone with her. And the woman still standing in the midst. Now, because of bad teaching, bad felt board in Sunday school, whatever you were taught, we have this idea that it was just Jesus and her there. She was still standing in the middle of everybody who confront or who were who was Jesus was teaching. The only people that left were those who wanted to stone her. But here's the kicker. It says, and Jesus was standing alone in the midst. Folks, I'm telling you. If you're broken and you're dealing with brokenness, I'm not here to judge you and I'm not here to tell you how bad you fouled your life up or how bad you're messing your life. I'm telling you, Jesus is hope. What we're getting ready to look at is the greatest hope that a man and a woman could ever talk about. We receive hope in the middle of brokenness and when we acknowledge that we don't stand a chance without God. She didn't stand a chance without God. Without this encounter with Jesus, she didn't stand a chance. Those guys would have stoned her, Kevin. They would have easily stoned her. But you got to understand how she's feeling. This is still an acknowledged teacher. He could still pass judgment on her even though everybody else left. See, we think she went, all right, they dropped their stones except for the fact she's still standing in front of the teacher. This teacher can still pass judgment on her. When we get to the point where we realize we were talking about this last night. Some of us had got together. When we realized that all our attempts to fix our brokenness, if you go back to Isaiah, he says, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And I, it, it's important because, because we've always focused on what those filthy rags are. But the important thing in that, he says righteousness is, that's a plural word. It actually means all of our attempts to fix ourselves are as useless as a feminine product once it's used. That's what those filthy rags were. Nobody keeps that around. And he says, all your attempt to make yourself right with God is useless. You need an encounter with Jesus. We have the opportunity, folks, to be seriously Christ-like here. Or we have the opportunity to be really Satan-like. But I'm going to heaven. Doesn't mean you act like God. (laughs) man we're quiet today (laughs) not Isaiah (laughs) Psalm 78 look at this Psalm 78 verse 38 from the Passion Translation he says it this way he said but amazingly God so full I read this to you I quoted this to you last week this is a scripture that changed my life it changed me it changed how I viewed people it changed everything he said, and but amazingly, God is what? So full of compassion, still forgave them. He covered over their sins mm, with his love, refusing to destroy them all. Over and over, he held back his anger, restraining wrath and show them mercy to show them mercy. Verse 39. This, is, this, this will change you when you really understand what he's saying here. He knew that they were made from mere dust. Frail, fragile, short-lived, here today, gone tomorrow. And the Holy Spirit said to me one day, he said, I would be upset with you if you weren't so human and that has been my thing when I think about people. And I, there are times when even my flesh wants to come out like, I just want to punch you right in the throat. Yes, I think like that too. You'd never think that about me, Steve, but I do. <laughs> but you'll hear me say that too. Well, I would be mad if you weren't so human that's what God did here. He said, look, I could destroy you. I could wipe you out, but I am so full of compassion that I refuse to get angry with you because you continue to blow it. I refuse to cast you out and not call you mine because you continue time after. He's talking about the children of Israel here. He said, they kept blowing it and they kept blowing it. He said, man, I would have destroyed them, but then I had to remember that they're just human. They're still fighting this thing. They still want to pick up the zombie nature and smell like old dead flesh. Jesus still standing in the midst of all this turmoil and everybody wondering how's he going to react? What's he going to do? What will his judgment be on this sinner? After all, She was caught. There's no question of her guilt, Scott. Caught, red-handed. Back to John 8. All the men dropped their stones, but everybody else was still there. Verse 10. And when Jesus raised himself up, he was so enthralled... In an encounter with her, he saw no one else. It didn't say there wasn't anyone else there. He was in the middle of teaching. There was still the crowd. The only ones that left Idra were the ones who had stones in their hands and when Jesus raised himself up and he looked at this woman he's so enthralled in the relationship encounter that he's having with her he saw nobody else that's how God looks at you uh, and, and how he looks at me I don't know how he does it but he will look at you and there's nobody else in existence but you but at the same time he's looking at Ernie and there's nobody in existence but Ernie and when he raised himself up, he looked, and there was no one else. And he saw no one but the woman. He was completely transfixed on her. And all he saw was a woman in shame, a woman been caught, a woman stood before the town, stood before the whole church, and he says to her, woman, I'm intentionally stopping right there. Because bad doctrine, bad teaching makes us think that he's correcting her. Now you gotta remember, he raises up and he's transfixed on her. He sees nobody else. That word woman there is actually a word of kindness. Oh, it's actually a term that they would use of respect Whew. caught in the act red-handed he looks up at her and says my dear woman he began immediately fell in love with her he immediately loved her so much so he saw nobody else this was a dirty person this is somebody caught. He don't see her that way. He's transfixed by her and he calls her a term of kindness, a term of respect, a term of love. He's, "Oh, my lovely lady." She just slept with some other dude. A woman, lovely. My dear. It's, folks, this word is not a word of reproof. It's not a correction. Remember when Jesus was at the wedding? I, I taught on this Wednesday night. If you ain't coming Wednesday night, you're missing some stuff. Uh, <laughs> plug. And, and his mom come to him and said, "Hey, they ran out of wine." They need more wine. And we think Jesus is correct. We've been taught that Jesus is correcting her. Woman, what do I got to do with you? It's the same word. He wasn't going, woman, get away from me. He's going, mama, my dear lady, this ain't got nothing to do with me or you. This is their party. It's the same word. It's the same way he referred to his mama. Mama. So he raises up and he looks at this woman and he says, woman, my dear one. Now let's go back to verse 10. And Jesus raised himself up and he saw no one but her. And he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She's still waiting on his judgment. He's the teacher. She's still waiting on the hammer to fall. She said, hey, where'd everybody go? Is there nobody here that's gonna accuse you? Verse 11. And she said, no one, Lord, and here's hope. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. The word condemn means to make something that is not fit to be used. He said, I'm not declaring condemnation over you either. But she was just caught. That's what the church would do. We just saw her. We caught her. Matter of fact, we watched outside the window while she did it so we could catch her up in it. Let's get real. How do you think they got her? And you're just going to let her off? How dare you? Let me be God. And I will exalt myself, my throne. I will be like Satan and I will stand before God and accuse her relentlessly. This is the greatest story of hope I think I've ever read, Kelly. And she said, No one. And Jesus said, Neither do. Now remember, we started out a few minutes ago. I said, Jesus loves me where he finds me, but he loves me too much to leave me there. He didn't excuse her sin here, folks. He didn't excuse her mess, but look what he did. He said, now go and do this, and now go and do that, and I'll accept you again. No, he raised up and was transfixed on her, fell in love with her, and he said, is there nobody else that's gonna accuse you? But she said, no, Lord. He said, you know what? I'm not going to either, but do me this. Go and stop it. Don't do that anymore. (laughs) He didn't correct her. He didn't chastise her. He just said, stop. You're hurting yourself. You're putting on that old stinky corpse and you're trying to wear it around zombie nature around again. And you're going to smell like that mess. Just stop. He wasn't going to leave her there. He gave her hope. I don't condemn you either. But go and sin no more. More. He said, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to pronounce you useless. I'm not going to pronounce judgment on you. But here's what you've got to do stop doing it. Just stop. I want to leave you with one more scripture. This message, hope for the broken was more about let's fix the church, then we can offer hope to the broken. But I'm here to tell you if you're here today and you're broken in some way, your father, your Jesus looks at you and there is nobody else around and he says, I don't condemn you either. Let's just stop doing what you're doing and let's go on together. Just, it's that easy. I'm not gonna judge you. You do realize that he says in the book of John, now, this is in Jesus' day. While he, sta- sta- while he still walked the earth, he said now is the judgment of the world. He already, he already took care of judgment. <laughs> Look it up. I'll probably have to bring it back next week just to prove it. But... <laughs> Go to Romans chapter eight and we're gonna close here. Who then would dare accuse those whom God has chosen in his love to be his? Who would dare? Well, Satan would. He's an accuser. So does the church, when you understand what accusing is, to be critical. Are you a critical person? Oh, I'm not going back to that. To those of God who God has chosen to be His, now look, listen. God Himself, flip. It, go ahead and flip that, Bubba. God Himself is the judge. It's probably frozen. Who has issued His final verdict over them? Guess what? His final verdict is not guilty. God Himself is the judge, and He has already issued His final judgment. (laughs) So, from now through eternity, this is how God looks at you. This is how God looks at us. This is how God looks at the person under the street with a needle still stuck in their arm. Living in the carcass of a zombie that's already been killed and hung on a cross. The church's issue. We've got to go tell him you don't have to live in that stink anymore. He loves you too much. He's transfixed on you and he just wants to bring you out of it. But he won't leave you there. He'll tell you, don't go, go, don't go back to that. And then he wants the church to act like him. Mm. Verse 34 of Romans 8. I'm reading out of the Passion. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the Anointed One. For He gave His life for us, and even more than that. He has conquered death and has been risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? If you're reading King James Version, he says he is forever making intercession. He's too busy declaring victory over you than to condemn you. Oh man. He's too busy declaring victory over you to condemn you. Folks, that's hope. And if you're here today and life's broken you down and it hurts and you're like, I don't know why anybody would love me. This love has has had his eye on you since before the foundation of the world. Ephesians tells us that he chose us from the foundation. When the world was created, you were already chosen. And he says, who's gonna sit and condemn me now? Is there any higher authority than God himself? Folks, we live in a place Where it's all hope all the time. All we have to do is bring others along because nobody's told them that they don't have to live inside of a corpse anymore. Nobody's told them they're loved. Nobody's told them they're chosen. Nobody told them they're righteous. And so they continue to believe the lie of the enemy in their mind saying, You're not worth it. You're not worthy. You're not lovely. And so what do we do? We find them under bridges or we find them selling their body or we find them doing all these things and we act like Satan. We go before God as the accuser of the brothers, the critical ones, the ones who talk about others despairingly, the ones who stand in judgment because some reason we think God's judgment isn't good enough oh mercy churchers hope i want to tell you for for us in the church i want to tell you what jesus said to the woman stop don't do it anymore quit your sin here hang on let me uh, Let me get this little toothpick out of your eye. Oh, sorry, I bumped you with the plank in (laughs) mine. Folks, I'm telling you, there's there's hope. If you're broken, there's hope. His name is Jesus. Church, if this has been us, or maybe this has been you for the last 20, 30, 40 years, whatever, you realize today that our personality has been more like the accuser guess what there's hope his name is Jesus the same hope for them is the same hope for you you don't have to be this way and he is transfixed in love with you let's pray father we thank you for today we thank you for who you are and what you are in our lives oh you are so glorious and grand and holy and righteous and just father let us continue to be a people that declares hope that we declare that Jesus himself stands before those caught in the very act and says, I don't condemn you either. <laughs> Let us be that body of Christ, and we will see a world changed like no one else because we choose to be different, and we choose it on purpose. Amen? Amen? In Jesus' name.